0: study of Acts chapter 4. If you want to turn to Acts chapter 4, that's where we're going to be. The, the verses will be up here behind me, but uh, if you want to turn in your own Bibles. We talked last week about from, from verse 1 to verse 12, we saw Peter and John are speaking to, the, to this ruling council that has asked them to come because they're preaching the resurrection from the dead, which, which the Sadducees don't like. The, the ruling council didn't like to talk about and and they had this this uh, amazing healing happen. They had healed. They they had in the name of Jesus. They had healed this lame man, lame for more than forty years. We find out today. And so uh, they're talking again to this. Uh, they're still, I guess, talking to this Jerusalem council about all of this stuff. Now we ended on verse twelve. Last week, which I will just read to you. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people by which we must be saved. Now, I realize that's countercultural. It was then, it still is, because it's exclusive, isn't it? It's Jesus, or you aren't in heaven. They said it. And we still believe it, as a matter of fact. And Jesus said it as well. Remember what Jesus said in John 14, 6. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So his apostles, Peter and John, they understood what Jesus said. And they say it again here. Now, just as it was then, it got them in trouble with the ruling council. The ruling council didn't like this statement. And it still gets us in trouble today in our culture. But it is clear in the Bible that you know Jesus or you don't know God. And so they, they know exactly what they're saying and they are just repeating what, what their Savior has said. So let's pick up in verse 13 of chapter 4. Again, it is up here behind me, but picking up in verse 13 and going through verse 22... When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. And since they saw the man who had been healed standing with them, they had nothing to say in opposition. After they ordered them to leave the Sanhedrin, they conferred among themselves, saying, What should we do with these men? For an obvious sign has been done through them, clear to everyone living in Jerusalem. We cannot deny it, but so that this does not spread any further among the people, let's threaten them against speaking speaking to anyone in this name again. So they called for them and ordered them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. Peter and John answered them, whether it is right in the sight of God for us to listen to you rather than to God, you decide. For we are unable to stop speaking about what we have seen and heard. After threatening them further, they released them. They found no way to punish them because the people were all giving glory to God over what had been done. For this sign of healing had been performed on a man over 40 years old. So let's look first again at the context. As I said earlier, Peter and John are still standing before this ruling council. and, And you know did you notice in verse 14 it told us that the lame man was standing there now this is kind of incredible for a couple of reasons first of all this is not a tv preacher healing and when i say that i'm saying it's not a hysterical healing it's not like this guy was so full of adrenaline he was able to get up but an hour later he can't he can't walk still no this guy had never walked before for 40 years, and now is standing there with them. Pretty incredible. It tells us this is a true miracle. Again, this isn't a a TV preacher healing. This is real. And it also, have you considered this from the Sanhedrin's viewpoint? This guy who who, who was healed, I bet they can feel his eyes on them as they're questioning Peter and John, you know? They can probably feel this guy looking at him saying, dude, I'm standing. Why are you questioning these guys? But, so I, I wanted to point that out. So Peter continues with boldness. He continues to preach with boldness. And I think there's a couple of reasons for Peter's boldness. The first one is that Peter is bold because of the Holy Spirit. Now, verse 13 says they're uneducated, untrained men. Peter and John had not been to seminary. They had not been to Bible school. They had not been trained as a Pharisee like these guys that are sitting in this council had been. And yet, they're impressed by how he handles Scripture, how Peter handles Scripture, how he's applying it to the Messiah. They're impressed by what he does, what he says. And so they're, they're, they're thinking, these guys, we, uh, we've been training our whole lives. I mean, to be a Pharisee, they start training them very early in life. And so they've been training their whole lives. And here Peter is telling them, teaching them what Scripture has to say. So they're impressed. They're, they're kind of amazed because they're uneducated, untrained men. They don't have Bible school. They have the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit telling them this applies to the Messiah. This, Psalm 118, applies to the Messiah. All of these scriptures that, that Peter has, has boldly spoken, he's applied to the, to the Messiah. And then, and then showed them how Christ is the Messiah. Jesus, the, Jesus Christ of Nazareth, he says, is the Messiah based upon these scriptures. So they have the Holy Spirit. They have the Holy Spirit teaching them. They have the Holy Spirit using Scripture to show them, opening up their heart and and to show them what Scripture means. They have this power to be bold. Now, I want to remind you again, I keep telling you, you have that Holy Spirit. If you are a believer in Christ, you have this power right here. The Holy Spirit didn't stop all his work on Pentecost. He didn't stop all his work when Peter and John were done in front of this council. He continues to work in you and in me. I count on that every week. I am not clever enough or charismatic enough to get you to listen to me. The Holy Spirit has to do that. The Holy Spirit has to do that. And so I look at at Scripture as I'm studying for the week. I look at... And I I let the Holy Spirit speak to me in it, and then I pray for the rest of the week that it'll speak to you in it. Because I am not good enough. The Holy Spirit still does this work, and he still does this work in you. You you have this power available to you. You have this boldness available to you right now, today, Day, day after day, every part of the day. Now, it also, they also said they had, he had the boldness of Jesus. These guys recognized that Peter and John had been with Jesus. This is an interesting statement, isn't it? We recognize that you've been with Jesus. How did they recognize that? What they saw in, in, in Jesus was a common, untrained, uneducated guy that was showing them up, essentially. We see all through the Gospels, Jesus confronting Pharisees and telling the Pharisees, you know, the Pharisees are always trying to trick him up with questions and things. And, and, and Jesus always answers them with, with wisdom, with Scripture, and makes them understand Scripture a different way. They see the same thing in Peter and John, uneducated, untrained men who are making them look at Scripture differently. But I think this is an incredible compliment I would count it as a compliment. If people said, I can tell you've been with Jesus, may it be said of us that people can tell that we have been with Jesus, that we have been with Jesus in prayer, in his word, in in worship, in his presence. May it be said of us that that we have been with Jesus and and you can tell they act just like Jesus did. That's essentially what they're saying, and and man, may that be said of us. Amen? Now, there's something else I want to point out here, because it's it's sort of reading in between the lines a bit, but remember back at the beginning of chapter 4, the reason they haul Peter and John in front of this council is because they are preaching the resurrection of the dead, and they they don't like that. They never confront... The resurrection of the dead in this council. They never challenge them on it. They never try to prove that it didn't happen. Why? This is the perfect time. They can shut down this, this new Christianity, this, this new church that's, that's blossoming and growing and now has thousands of followers. They can stick their, they, they can press down their thumb and make this stop. Why don't they? Because it's truth. Because the resurrection of Jesus is truth, and they know it. They have a crowd of people here who have seen Jesus crucified and seen the resurrected Jesus. They know this is truth. So even though they call them in to talk about that, they never confront that, because they can't say it didn't happen. It's truth. I think it's important for us to realize They had the opportunity. If there was ever a time to to discuss the resurrection of the dead, it's right here. Early in the church movement, early in the Holy Spirit's work, early in everything happening, before this really gets off the ground, let's squash this. But they can't, because it's truth. Jesus is resurrected from the dead. They can't prove he didn't. And they have a crowd of people there that can that that have seen it, have witnessed it firsthand. So the council then makes their decision. We have the now notice in, in the in the passage we read, Peter and John are told to go outside for this. Yet we know what happened in this meeting. How? Paul, Saul of Tarsus, Paul, the guy that wrote two-thirds of the New, New Testament, he's probably on this council. Because in Acts 26. You see, Paul talking about, I, I, I have, he, he's, he's talking to King Agrippa and, and giving his defense. And he's saying that at the, at the behest of this council, at the request of this council, I have done all of these things. So he's probably on this council. Paul before, well, Saul, before he becomes Paul, before he is born again, is probably on this council and so that's why we know what's, what's going on behind the scenes. Because once Paul starts his missionary journeys, Luke goes with him. And so Luke, who wrote Acts, knows from Paul what happened here. And the Sanhedrin decide they can't, they can't say that there isn't a resurrection from the dead because there's too many witnesses to that. It's truth. They can't say this miracle didn't happen because the dudes stand in right there. So, what are they going to say? They're going to say, shut up about this Jesus stuff. That's essentially, they say it nicer. But that's essentially what they're saying, isn't it? Shut up about this Jesus stuff. Have you ever heard that? We still hear that. We still hear almost those exact words. Enough with the Jesus stuff. That's what the Sanhedrin are saying to Peter and John. So, so Peter says, am I going to obey you or am I going to obey God? Now, back up for a second and think about who he's talking to. This is the ruling council. This, these guys are the religious leaders. This is the high priest and his, and his sons. This is, we, we looked at Caiaphas and, and, and the, the whole family, Jonathan and Annas, that we, we saw the whole family as high priests. We saw these are, these are religious leaders. Are they going to tell Peter and John not to follow God? Of course not. Of course they're not going to say, no, you, you don't do what God says, do what we say. They're never going to say that. But they can't say anything else, can they? They really have nothing to say. They're, they're fixed. They're in a really tough spot here. Because they know that Jesus has been resurrected. They know that this lame man that's standing here in this, in this uh, uh, gathering has been healed. They know all of this has happened, and they know it's been done in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They have nothing they can tell them not to do. So Peter and John say, well, we're going we're gonna to follow God. We're going to follow God. We're not gonna follow you, we're gonna follow God. I want you to stop and just consider before, before Peter and John leave this, this council, I just want you to, to, to run these things back through your mind. The first one is that they, this is the perfect opportunity for the Jewish rulers to, say the, to prove that the resurrection never happened. But they can't because it did. It's truth. Then they have the opportunity here to say that Jesus isn't the Messiah, but they can't because Peter has just shown them that's truth using Scripture. They have an opportunity to to squash this message and say, okay, maybe he's the Messiah, but you can't go out and tell people that he is. Stop with this gospel preaching. Enough with this Jesus stuff. But they can't because they know it's truth and they know that it's the will of God. They can't, literally can't do anything because this is truth. The truth of Jesus Christ. The truth that he died on a cross for our sin. The truth that he rose again on the third day to give us life. The truth of the power and, uh, of the, the beautiful, wonderful, powerful name of Jesus. All right there. Because it's truth. They can't say a word. So what do they do? They kick him out. Go on. Get, it, get out of our, our, our sight. So how do we get this kind of boldness? How does this work for our boldness? Well, from last week, remember, Peter and John, they were obedient to God. They were yielded to the Holy Spirit, and they spoke in the name of Jesus. that's what they did last week, and a lame man stood that's uh, that's what how they preached that's how they went forward was obedience yielded and spoke in the name of Jesus they also if you look at this this passage here and the and in the prior passages, they knew Scripture and let the Holy Spirit use it. Now, you can't give, you have to give the Holy Spirit some ammunition, you know. You have to know some Scripture in order for the Holy Spirit to bring it to your mind and show you how it applies to this situation. We still do this. It's still, uh, when you're in a situation, do you look For Scripture that addresses that situation, that's the guidance of the Holy Spirit. That they trusted the Holy Spirit, and so so do we. We still trust the Holy Spirit to speak to us through Scripture, but we do have to know some. You do have to open this And the last and perhaps the most important thing is they spent time with Jesus and it showed. May it be said of us that it shows that we spent time with Jesus. That that we were with him in prayer. We were with him in worship. We were with him in his word. We were with him in fellowship. We were with Jesus. When we left church, people could tell that we have been with Jesus. May that be said of us. You know, what you see in this this, uh, council is you essentially, if you back up, you see the world against Jesus. You see the powerful, the the politically powerful against Jesus. And Jesus wins. You see the the religious systems, those that, that are counting on, the Jewish people these, these, are, these are Jewish rulers, Jewish um, religious leaders and scholars. They are counting on the Jewish system to reach God. And, and Peter and John say there is no other name under heaven but Jesus. And they can't say anything to it. They can't, they can't do anything about it. We see Jesus versus religion. We see Jesus versus power. We see Jesus versus what the world says. Jesus always wins. He died to save you. He didn't die for sin. Sin isn't going to go to heaven. He died for your sin so that you can. And he rose again on the third day to give you life, so that you can have the Holy Spirit that we've talked about here, so you can have this kind of boldness, you can have this power. Do you know Jesus personally? Do you know that Jesus died for your sin? Not sin in general, your sin. I'm going to ask that you bow your heads. Because this is the most important question I could possibly ask you. Do you know that Jesus died your sin because he did he died to save you do you know him have you accepted the free gift of grace you can right now it's a simple prayer first we acknowledge that we have sin father I know that I have sin in my life I've done things wrong. I've said things wrong. I've thought things wrong, and I know the Bible calls that sin But I trust that Jesus died on that cross in my place To pay the price for my sin So I ask you to forgive me because it's finished work on the cross And I ask you to give me this life this power this boldness of the Holy Spirit that I see in Peter and John. Grant me this gift. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, you need to let somebody know. Come and let me know. Elbow your neighbor, let them know. Maybe this morning you know Christ, but as you look at the, the rest of the world, it just seems like the world is closing in. It seems like The world has more power. There is no other name under heaven but Jesus. He's got all the power. He's more powerful than this world. He's more powerful than political figures. He's more powerful than religious systems. He is it. You take a moment and consider Father, we thank you for this, your word. We thank you, Father, for for giving us a view of of the world versus our Lord and Savior. We thank you for the, the opportunity today to hear from you. Holy Spirit, do a work in us. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.